The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. in the murder house, we escaped the asylum, we protected the coven, we attended the freak show, we checked into the hotel, we had a Roanoke nightmare, we joined the cult, we stopped the apocalypse, now we survived 1984 and became the final girl. Welcome to the season finale of Are You Afraid 1984, the unofficial American Horror Story 1984 podcast, a radio.com original series, Papichula Radio Pop Culture On Demand. Today is Thursday, November 14th, 2019, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the FX series, American Horror Story 1984. Please welcome my co-hosts to our season finale broadcast, Madison Fitzpatrick. Welcome, guys. And Vinnie Hatcher. Let's go have some fun at camp. Let's jump into our recap of Season 9, Episode 9, which was titled Final Girl and aired November 13th, 2019. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Camp Redwood draws in a lost soul looking for closure. I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the season finale of 1984. Let's start off with Vinny. Well... <laughs> that, that, that sums it up. <laughs> All right. Maddie, what about you? Um... I enjoyed it. I really did like it. I just did not expect this from American Horror Story. This completely took me off guard. Um, I actually believe that this wasn't the final episode because it couldn't have been the final episode in my mind. Um, Just a bunch of letdowns, I guess, in my opinion. And I wanted to wait to see what you said, because I figured one of us might be saving the other the trouble. But I, I completely agree. <laughs> I, I went into this, like, and it, I walked away from it feeling like this was a middle-of-the-season episode, and it was going to be followed by another one that was going to give us some loose ends being cleaned up and some more story. And it just said, I didn't hate it, but I didn't absolutely love it. Okay. And what about you, Jeffrey? Do you agree with us? Yes and no. Yes, I agree that it was probably the most unexpected American Horror Story episode that I've ever seen in my life. Just because it was very sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. And we usually don't get a happy ending 
to this um, nth degree on American Horror Story, but I didn't dislike it as much as it seems as if both of you didn't really like it. As an episode, I didn't mind it. I would disagree with Vinny in saying that I feel like all the loose ends were tied up in this episode, so I, I wasn't necessarily expecting another episode, or I can't see there being another episode. I feel like everything has been completely wrapped up, and, and for some weird reason it was wrapped up in like a beautiful pink bow, because it was just a very cutesy finale, which for me was completely unexpected, especially when the series is called American Horror Story. So, um... Well, there was a lot of blood and gore in it, but for the most part, it was a very sweet ending, and uh, maybe that's sort of the 80s influence, but uh, we'll discuss it at great length, listeners, in just a moment. So uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Horror Story 1984, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. So, we've got a lot to talk about because we did get a lot of information. We had a major time jump. uh, An online theory was proven to be correct. And uh, they did a whole timey-wimey type of thing where we kept on flashing back to that fateful night in 1989. Um, So let's talk about what happened. Uh, And I'm going to go actually linearly because, uh, you know, doing the whole 2019 and then going back to 1989 and ping-ponging, I feel like uh, we'll... um, I mean, we could do it in the order of the episode, or we can do it just linearly time-wise. I want to focus on 1989 right now. So, we don't necessarily see a massacre, but we see characters getting massacred. And it starts off with Courtney um, getting shot in the head by, uh, by Margaret. And then afterwards, we see uh, Trevor getting shot all over the place, including in the groin, by Margaret. And uh, it appears as if his body will not uh, die on the camp property. You know, and he's very disappointed because he wants to be with Montana. Montana shows up, and all of a sudden she's loving him again, and she, you because know, he's got the best dick, I guess, that she's ever had in her life, as she said. Uh, and uh, he's about to die, but from out of nowhere... Uh, Brooke shows up, and uh, there are some words, choice words, uh, but she does end up helping Trevor over the camp property line, and so he does end up dying on the camp. And apparently, when Brooke did that for Montana, that sort of changed her uh, point of view, and she she felt like uh, killing 
um, is, is no longer needed, or, or that you know she she no longer brought she no longer felt joy in in killing and that kind of thing. And so, um, it was her goal, along with the rest of the ghosts on the property, to stop Margaret from any more bloodshed. And and so, uh, well, I should say that the reason uh, Margaret killed Trevor is because uh, he was turning people away from the uh, festival. So no one ended up showing up, none of the music acts, etc. Except for Kajagugu. Kajagugu is dead. So uh, later on, the ghosts all team up to basically take down Margaret. Uh, you know, she locks herself in as if that's going to stop ghosts, and she starts loading up her gun as if that's going to stop ghosts. But she's doing what I guess she can, and uh, she ends up getting a visit from Donna, who slices and dices her. She ends up getting a visit from Brooke, who stabs her with um, a shard from a mirror, but but, uh, Brooke ends up getting shot. And uh, then, you know, uh, Donna ends up opening the door, and the ghosts have that it with uh, Margaret. They slice up her body into uh, not teeny tiny pieces, but they chop off her arms, they chop off her legs, they chop off her head, and they feed it into a wood chipper that is set to shoot her guts on the other side of the camp property so that her ghost can no longer, or so that her ghost doesn't roam the Camp Redwood property. So we'll stop here because we do know that a lot of other stuff happens, but I want to handle that later. So let's talk about what happened that day. So we did not get the full bloodbath. I should also mention, and I didn't uh, before we continue on, uh, they do, uh, uh, what was his name? Um, Dylan McDermott. Uh, They do end up killing him and they toss him into the Bruce, yes, and and they toss him into the forest that's, I guess, next to the camp property, so he wouldn't, he's not going to be haunting the camp property, and uh, they do find a way to sort of get rid of Richard Ramirez, in a sense, they all are taking turns, well, they all kill him, um, and then they take turns watching over him whenever he reanimates, they're there just to kill him again. So, uh, so the the deadly trio has uh, been taken care of, allegedly. So now we'll stop. So let's talk about this. So uh, the 1989. We we can discuss later what we think of like the flashing back to 1989 as opposed to seeing it linearly, but focusing specifically on 1989. What did we think of this? And uh, since he was with the meh, let's start off with you, Vinny. <laughs> uh, it was a jumble. It, it was. I, I, I will say that Margaret being fed into the woodchepper and, and being amputated piece by piece, I got what I wanted. You know, I really wanted to see her get her comeuppance, and I wanted to see her punished horrifically for everything that she's done. And I just absolutely thought it was, you know, what better way than everyone to team up and get a stab in or whatever, and then, you know, dismember her so she was. She went through a lot of pain, and she definitely deserved it. Um, the Bruce thing, I I feel so disappointed with the character. I don't know why he needed to exist. I feel like it was just a, hey, Dylan McDermott's free. Let's give him a cameo that makes absolutely no sense, but he wants to come back, so we're just going to give him this cameo. The character just, for me, I... I there was this buildup to him, I thought. like He seemed like he was going to be important. He seemed he, he was going to be, I don't know, something with Brooke or just have a bigger role to play. And he just, 
he ended up being detritus for me. Just extra stuff that was there didn't really do much other than a little bit of comic relief and to be a dollar store serial killer. Um, the, the biggest thing I think is that it all did come full circle in the sense of everyone got to get the closure for what happened to them in a way, you know, the, the ghosts that were there, you know, some of them had turned over a new leaf. Some of them had found love. And one of the reasons my biggest math thing though, was that a lot of these ghosts, I didn't know who the hell they were. Like, I don't see the reason to have these tons of characters where, you know, I'm looking at them and I'm like, this scene would have more meaning if I knew more about these people. And there was some, you know, I know Jonas was there and, and, you know, there's some other characters like Midge from the very beginning, but I didn't have an emotional response to this ensemble cast other than like Xavier, Ray, Montana, Brooke, Donna, um, these extra ghosts, they had such little screen time in the beginning half of the season. In the latter half, they were, they were used a little bit. I was excited to see Birdie come back, but it just felt like it was unnecessary. They could have just as well done it with a smaller cast. So that's my biggest criticism there, but my, my favorite was definitely Margaret's death and seeing that all kind of come to play and poor Trevor is all I will say. That was horrible for him. Well, I don't disagree with you about some of the smaller ghosts. I feel like we all would have complained because we had seen them already. I, I think we would have bitched of like, where were these ghosts? Like we never saw them again. Like, you know, right. so I feel like it's almost like a double-edged sword. It's like, we it didn't is. get a lot of the, um, what, what the, the 1970s counselors the exposition. Yeah. The seventies. Like we didn't get a lot of them and we didn't even really get to know the, um, the, um, the fake jingles, prankers and that kind of stuff. But it was still nice to see them. Like, I didn't mind seeing them uh, uh, because, you know, it sort of, it did lead to the full circle moment. I agree with you. The um, the comeuppance for Margaret was everything. It was very 80s. It was ridiculously over the top. It was incredibly gory, but in, in the best way possible. I mean, I think we all have to remember that uh, the 80s horror movies are filled with gore. And, you know, it's always like the blood spurting all over the place and, and that kind of stuff. And um, it, it was a, a perfect homage to that. And the sick and twisted nature of the wood chipper was just, you know, it took it to the like, you know, the nth degree. And it was pretty damn fantastic. Uh, yeah, so so that was a, a really great moment uh, for the episode. I agree with you about Bruce. I, I co-sign with all of that. I feel like he would have been fine as the character in that episode where he was introduced and where it yeah. seemed as if Brooke and Donna got rid of him. Like, I don't necessarily think that we needed him. And, and he didn't really add much in the past two episodes. So him being a standalone character for that episode, just to sort of show us Brooke's bad luck and, um, and to see her tangle with another serial killer, but this time getting the upper hand, uh, in the upper finger as well or fingers um was good enough uh, so i don't I, I agree with you i don't know if we necessarily needed to have bruce there i mean we they had to get rid of him and i guess they got rid of him the best way possible so that he wouldn't um haunt the grounds but it was kind of uh i will co-sign a meh with that the richard ramirez thing was interesting and weird and also disappointing, just because there is Richard Ramirez 
in hotel. Mm-hmm. So we know that Richard Ramirez had to have left the property because Richard Ramirez is a real person. And the one thing that's very, um, you know, it's very touchy when you're using real people on a series like this. And especially if you have sort of like their real life story as canon and all these seasons are supposed to tie into one another. And if Richard Ramirez, I believe it was specifically said in that hotel episode that he died of cancer and uh in his prison cell, yeah. Yes, and and he was a, you know, he was a ghost so he could visit on Devil's Night and that kind of thing because he apparently is still to this day at Camp Redwood. You know, and he's still his younger self and that sort of thing. Like, the whole deal with the devil and him getting reanimated, like, he could have escaped Redwood and then he would have been caught again and he could be rotting in a prison cell and he could die of cancer or something like that. Like, I I could buy all that. But because he was still stuck on the property and they were, like, killing him over and over again, it just doesn't fit with what we know of what has happened to that character on American Horror Story. Like, had they completely from the beginning, from Hotel, like, rewritten his story and, you know, said something differently, of course, clearly, they were not expecting this season, you know, all those seasons ago. But, um, you know, had they done something different with him, like, it, I don't know, I would be sort of okay with it. Now, having said that, because Richard Ramirez was such a vicious character this season, I love everything that happened to him. Like, the fact that they were waiting for him and enacting their revenge and killing him in very creative ways and making him suffer. Like, I was here for that. Like, I was very happy that he was suffering, much like I was very happy that Margaret suffered. So, um, I did like that. I just don't like how it fits with everything that we know of Richard Ramirez in the American Horror Story universe. Maddie, what about you? What did you think of uh, 1989? Well, um, wow, you talked about a lot. Okay, so... Um, well, I'm trying to handle whole, all of that first because I know, there's a right? lot of, a whole lot so of other stuff. More. Yeah. So, the whole Bruce thing... Um, I could have completely gone without totally agree with you guys. And I was thinking about it the whole, um, last couple episodes where he was in, I'm thinking they could have done so much more with his character, like just him as an actor, like he's a great actor and I feel like they could have done so much more with him. I feel like this character didn't do him justice in a way. Um, it was very not needed at all. Um, like you said, it could have been a standalone episode, um, with him and I could have respected that. The fact that they just kept dragging him on was a little, um, annoying. Um, uh, Richard Ramirez, uh, in this season, I actually really did like his character. I think the actor did an amazing job as him. Um, I really enjoyed, um, him as Richard Ramirez he was very like sexy yet cynical and you know Satan 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 um very funny at times too um I did like that but like you guys were saying yeah this is really confusing as to hotel and it's weird that um 
you know, the writers didn't really think of that, that it would cause an issue um, unless, you know, like we're missing something, but I don't think we are. Um, So, yeah, very confusing. I don't think that they should have left it the way it's been left, um, I suppose, because, yeah, it does like open a lot lot of questions. Um, But the way that they handled Margaret um, was awesome. Um, I, it's funny, I was watching the episode with my dad, and when a character, uh, in this episode walks past, um, this, uh, the wood chipper initially, my dad goes, I don't remember anyone being killed there, and I said, me neither i don't know let's keep watching (laughs) maybe it's something that happened in the past so obviously that answer um or that question was answered and uh yeah i think that what they did to margaret was definitely definitely uh deserving and i thought it was pretty funny but yeah like then said a lot of these characters these other ghosts yeah really questionable as why they were there i guess um but yeah, in a sense, well, technically I, the seventies like, ghosts would want to get their revenge on Margaret. I'm just saying. I know, but like, we didn't even know them. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like they were just there just to have more people to kill her. But who knows? True. Although I do feel like if the ghosts weren't there, we would all be bitching about it. We would be like, what about those ghosts that we were introduced to? So it, it is, it's that double-edged sword. It's like, they're there to remind us of, of, of what we've seen, but since we didn't really know them, we don't really have that connection to those ghosts in particular. So they kind of are like padding, in a sense. I mean, we knew Courtney more, and <laughs> Courtney was just everything. What? <laughs> Yeah, no. Courtney was amazing. Yes, Courtney. Oh, Courtney. Okay, so we later on in the episode we get a little bit more of 1989 of that night. Uh, So in the tussle between um, with her and 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 Margaret, Brooke, as I mentioned, gets shot, and um, it is assumed by Donna that uh, that Brooke died at the camp. Uh, we'll get into Donna in a moment. But uh, Ray ends up separating from the group that's about to, um, you know, um, do the thing to <laughs> Margaret. And he finds Brooke. And uh, he thinks that she's died. You know, he's ready to, like, kiss her on her forehead. But she wakes up. And he sees that the bullet, you know, went straight through. And so he grabs some, you know, some stuff to like, you know, help her uh, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and she's basically like, I don't want to die here. Like, I don't want to die here. And he agrees. He's like, you know, you don't deserve to die here. And you deserve, you don't, you don't deserve to be stuck here and all that kind of stuff. And so he helps her get to uh, the property line. And he's like, this is all that I can take you. And uh, she goes over the line and, uh, you know, she ends up, uh, you know, getting, you know, passing out. Well, I should say they share a kiss and, uh, then she ends up passing out and he screams and in anguish and all that kind of stuff because he can't do anything. Uh, we do find out that someone must have called 
from the camp to for like paramedics and stuff because she does get saved but we'll get into Brooke and everything that she's been up to in a moment. Um, I feel like this should be its own conversation. That's why I separated it from um, Brooke in the present day. So let's talk about this. Uh, what do we think of this? Because uh, we've had sort of discussions, not just about Brooke and uh, Brooke being the final girl and, and that sort of thing, but also about Ray. And, and uh, you know, there was a certain point where we didn't like Ray, and uh, you weren't here for that episode, um, Maddie, but at, during an episode in which you missed, uh, Vinny and I sort of uh, had a change of heart when it comes to Ray. So I'll start off with you, Maddie. What did you think of Ray in this episode? And uh, what did you think of this sort of um, quote-unquote lost chapter of seeing Brooke escape Camp Redwood? Um, I didn't mind Ray in this episode, to be honest. Um, he wasn't horrible. Like, the fact that he was, like, saving her was kind of nice. Um, and... I don't know, he was finally doing the right thing, even after he was kind of a dick and was, like, had killed people and stuff like that. So that was better, I guess. I don't know, I'm indifferent about him because I kind of don't care about his character in a way. Um, but, like... He seemed like he did have feelings for Brooke, and he was doing the right thing for her, so I guess I didn't mind it. Vinny, what about you? I, yeah, I, I mean, I liked Ray after, like, we had talked about that episode, and I thought it was kind of fitting that he was her savior in the end there, but I just want to know who moved the tour bus. Who moved the bus that was blocking the gates? That allowed her to escape. Because if I remember correctly, didn't Trevor like cut the wheels on a bus and it was blocking the escape and they get to the, the doorway or whatever and she's able to get away and there's no more bus anywhere and this is technically supposed to be the same night? That kind of threw me for a loop. But, I don't uh, think that's the entrance though. Okay. That, the entrance where the bus was is different. I feel like there's like the main entrance and then there's the entrance that's actually inside the camp because there is that long road uh, leading into okay. the camp <laughs> we need a map yeah we need a map i i yeah. this is important to my my decision <laughs> uh but no i i brooks one of the big mass for me i th i think that they built her up to be the final girl they built her up to be you know a main character per se and she ended up being overshadowed. I feel like she was really overshadowed by Donna. Not that I'm complaining, because I absolutely love Navradonna. Um, but I, I kind of was surprised that Brooke didn't end up on the property. I, I thought that she was going to do something with the camp. I thought it was going to be, like, her F you to Margaret. Like, she was going to do something to repurpose the camp into something happy and healthy and break the curse. And I was kind of disappointed that she just limped away to be a whatever she is another day <laughs> okay um well i like that she lived i do like that she escaped the camp uh I, I feel like um there were two characters that i really wanted to escape and it was brooke and donna like i i did not want them to end up dying on the camp property i wanted them to be able to 
live a happy life. And uh, I was glad that we ended up saying that Brooke did escape. Because there was a bit of dialogue earlier in the episode before this flashback that expressed that Brooke died. And that sort of thing. And, and so I would have found that to be incredibly disappointing. And that would have been anticlimactic. I will give you a little pushback on Brooke. Uh, just because... And maybe it's because this was just a completely different character that we've seen Emma Roberts play on American Horror Story. But I I didn't mind uh, her character or the storyline that they gave her. Um, I... I really enjoyed Brooke. Uh, I do agree that she maybe wasn't the lead that we thought she would be, but um, I, I don't know if there was necessarily a main lead this season on American Horror Story. I mean, there are other seasons where you can sort of point to the main character. I, I guess, you know, if if we were to pick, you know, we would assume that it's Brooke. But uh, I would say that the top billing was probably shared between Brooke, Margaret, and Donna, to be quite honest. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's just part of my, my feeling that, like Maddie and I were saying in our opening, that it just, I felt like this season definitely suffered from only being 10 episodes. I feel like there was more story that could have been told and that some well, of it nine. was compressed a lot and that's that and i i'm trying to keep that from tarnishing my opinion but i i this was one of the areas where i felt like it was very obvious she was not dead i i thought it, there was no way they were going to kill her i would have probably been more pleasantly shocked if they did kill her because it was so obvious to me that she wasn't going to be dead that it would have been a twist to me but everything else yeah i i just i feel like we paid the price for the episode order being shortened and a lot of things were cut that I would have liked to have seen more of. See, that's interesting because I'm actually satisfied with the episode count. I don't feel like we need, at least from what we've seen, I don't feel like we needed an additional episode. I feel like an additional episode would have been too much and we would probably be complaining that there were too many episodes like we do on occasion (laughs) with seasons. Um, Yeah, so that's interesting. Well, Okay, let's move into the present day. So we actually start off the episode in the year 2019. And we see, yes, what the internet guessed, we see Mr. Jingles' son, Bobby, visiting the camp to get answers because he feels like his father is alive and uh, he's been getting checks mysteriously. And so he feels like his, his dad is alive, maybe at the camp. And uh, he needs answers for everything that's happened. We do learn that uh, when his aunt died, she told him the truth. Which was interesting because I didn't really even know that she knew the full truth. But uh, she did know the truth. That uh, her his mother had died. And that his father returned to Camp Redwood to avenge her death. But he never ended up returning from the camp that fateful Halloween, I guess, in 1989. And so when he arrives, he immediately runs into Montana. She's uh, impressed by his uh, his cell phone. 
And uh, after asking questions about aerobics and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, she starts, she and Trevor start to fill him in on that fateful night. He ends up learning that they are ghosts, and he learns about sort of like the property and the ghosts not being able to leave and that sort of thing. She explains how basically all the ghosts, you know, have, have created a truce and that sort of thing, and uh, that they hadn't seen anyone on the camp property in years you know sort of like shortly after the massacre some people would show up and and that sort of thing but that stopped a couple of years after everything that happened and uh while all of that is going on and while they're chatting and uh, they're sort of you know doing a little bit of exposition and uh, and we're seeing the flashbacks to what happened in 1989 we see that richard ramirez escapes because after playing, what were they playing? Like Pictionary or something? I feel like it was Pictionary, right? Oh my god! <laughs> I know it was like Pictionary, um, and, and Birdie wants to play strip Pictionary with Chet, and she's like, "I know you go both ways. You've been fucking everything here, but what about an older woman?" And so he's like, "For real." And uh, they start making out. The dark spirits end up uh, helping uh, Richard Ramirez. Vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. And he escapes. He ends up, you know, killing them. And uh, he uh, attacks Jingles' son. Ends up attacking Trevor and uh, Montana. But he ends up running out. And uh, the rest of the ghosts end up... um, handling Richard Ramirez, but he ends up escaping because right before uh, um, Bobby could cross over the property line, he gets a knife to the back. He uh, defends himself against Ramirez, but um, the uh, the ghosts once more, you know, end up helping him out. So he is able to escape and leave the property. But Montana screams, you know, you need to go to Red Meadows Asylum and speak to the director there. She will have answers for you. So before we get to this asylum, let's talk about all of this with Bobby in the present day and the ghosts and Richard Ramirez and everything. Vinny? I actually really enjoyed this part. <laughs> there was a part of the episode I did not bitch about. I, I actually loved Montana's cluelessness when she saw the cell phone. I loved the. I mean, I I I don't I don't feel right saying that I love the whole strip pictionary and like the whole Chet and Birdie of it all, but it was so amusing because I had missed Birdie and I didn't realize how much until she was back. And I just thought it was absolutely apparently horny as fuck. What's that? I said apparently horny as fuck. Yeah, apparently horny as fuck. Like, I mean, if anyone had slept with her, I thought it was going to be Xavier. I thought it was going to be one of those things that there was going to be a moment between the two of them in the afterlife. I did not expect Chet. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And I feel like there was a lighter aspect to this time frame. And... I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think it was very well done to bring Bobby into play, even though it was predictable, because it was a very clear, loose end as far as Jingles was concerned. And I just had a feeling it was going to come back. And when we saw that Finn Whitrock was going to be uh, coming back, that I, I like that they did that. And ultimately, I, I think that the way the ghosts kind of came together, this was one aspect of it that I did enjoy and I did like, was the fact that they were playing together. 
and living in relative harmony and Montana's change of heart. Just, I liked seeing that side of Billy Lord. We didn't get to see a lot of it this, this season and, you know, helping him, telling him where to go, sending him in the, in the direction where he would find answers that he needed. I thought it was absolutely awesome. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, Maddie, what about you? What did you think of, uh, everything at the camp, uh, in 2019 i loved that finn was back um pissed that he was only in one episode i would have rather had him than um oh my god dylan is dylan right Mm -hmm. yeah i would have rather finn um back for more than just one episode i loved um like the son coming back to kind of figure out where his dad had been and blah, 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 what happened. Um, I really like the whole, now the ghosts are doing something to save, um, you know, his, um, Mr. Jingle's son, um, you know, them really coming together because they have, you know, nothing else to do. And this is really important because they realize that, you know, Mr. Jingles was actually like a really nice guy and like, whatever and um yeah i really i did like this part and i did really enjoy finn being back it was like seeing the old characters come back because really he hasn't been in in a season since like freak show so i really enjoyed him coming back and um and yeah i think it was a good idea to bring in uh, mr jingle's son um, and especially coming back to the camp. And I kind of liked how he came back and throughout the episode, we do get like flashbacks as to what did happen, um, at the camp and how it was brought on from him coming back to the camp. So that was pretty cool. Finn hasn't been on since Freak Show, but wasn't that his first season? Hasn't, didn't he do another season outside of Freak Show? I think it was just Freak Show actually, if I remember correctly. Okay. Well, damn, it has been a long time. And we did get a, a, a sort of um, payoff with Chet. Because remember there was that episode where Margaret was basically asking him to come out to her to repent and that kind of stuff. So we had a little right. bit, of, we had an answer to that question, which was kind of nice to have because they did set it up in the episode in which he died. Um, yeah, but I agree with both of you. I liked the stuff in 2019. I will say, and this is a question that I'm going to ask right now, um, talking about how the episode was set up, I I was a little disappointed that we we got a lot of the 1989 stuff in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that it, this episode, I don't know how they could have done this episode linearly, but um, I, I did find it just a tiny bit disappointing that all of the stuff in I 1989 kinda... was a flashback, especially because, like, there was the build-up. How many episodes was it? Like, two, three episodes ago, we started talking about this festival and the massacre and that kind of thing. And I don't, I didn't mind that there wasn't necessarily a full-on bloodbath massacre where, like, music acts were getting killed and, like, the patrons were getting killed and all that kind of stuff. But it was a little disappointing that we didn't 
get to see that night maybe completely as its own thing versus, you know, in the present day and then flashing back and in the present day and flashing back and, and that sort of thing. Um, I get kind of why they did it, you know, to keep the mystery alive. And clearly, I like the way that I've been doing this recap, uh, you know, I, I sort of quote-unquote spoiled stuff that happened later on in the episode. So seeing it the way that they did it, you know, it did keep certain things as a surprise and seeing where people were in the present and that sort of thing. But there's just something about like wishful thinking of like what it could have been like had they done it just a little bit different and could it have been maybe a teeny tiny bit better. What were you going to say, Maddie? I'm just saying like, I kind of liked it with the flashbacks because they were explaining it to um, Mr. Jingle son, Bobby, but I agree with you that it would have been cool if it was kind of all together as well. But I did like it because they were explaining to him what had happened. And it's not the first time we've seen American Horror Story do timey-wimey things where, you know, we're in the present, then we flash back and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I do wonder what it could have been like had they just focused on 1989 and then maybe done like a little epilogue in the present where... Uh, you know, we see what happens, you know. Yeah, that's that was one of the areas where I was talking about. I feel like one more episode I would have liked because there have been times that I've I've had trouble following what times we're in in this season. I mean, it's usually pretty quickly evident, but they had a they had like, what, three, four, five different times in this season. So there was a lot of jumping around I agree. I, th- I think that the timey-wimey stuff in this episode, uh, I-, I feel like we could have gotten the 1984 stuff in a linear fashion in its own episode or in one of the previous episodes if we didn't get an extra episode and save this finale for putting a bow on it like it did. But without the – as much as I love you know, the, the, the slashing and the wood chipper and all of that – I would have kind of liked to have this episode be able to focus on the character of Bobby Moore and, like, the ghost in the present day and age instead of spending so much time in, like, back in my day. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Although, I think we can all give the kudos to Finn, who did a fantastic job as Bobby. Mm-hmm. And, and really... Uh, encompassed i think what i would have thought bobby would have been like uh you know as a 30 year old uh, and that kind of thing so uh he did a really great job especially for just coming in for this one episode he really sold it for me so moving on with bobby so he does make it to the asylum and uh, you know he's all disheveled uh clearly hurt um you know a little shooketh and uh the um the attending whatever she is, uh, uh, you know, who, who he's speaking with, um, clearly feels that he's probably cray-cray. So when he's demanding and and, and uh, banging his hands down that he needs to speak to the director, um, she ends up calling uh, the, uh, the guards or whatnot so that uh, he can be committed. And he's like, no, that's not what I'm here for. Like, I need to speak to the director. I am Benjamin Richter's son. And bam, there's Donna with a little bit of age makeup and a uh, different wig. Uh, like, you're, you're his son? And so she ends up giving him a little bit more of information of what happens that night. And uh, she explains uh, a little bit more about Jingles and how he wasn't necessarily 
the serial killer mastermind that the world thinks. She gives him the truth that it was Margaret, that he was framed, and she even says that Brooke was framed, and uh, that it was all Margaret Booth. She was, you know, the mastermind behind everything. And uh, so he thanks her, and and, um, and he's like, well, and I also thank you for all these checks that I've been receiving because it was because it was you. You were the final girl. And she's like, wait, hold up a minute. I did not give you those checks. Um, you know, what, what do you mean? And and uh, she does end up helping him uh, find out who did it. But let's pause right here because uh, I feel like uh, we can talk about Donna and seeing her and, and the surprise of that and that sort of situation. Now, something that bugged me, I don't know if it bugged y'all, but since we have continuity police right here with Vinny, I will, I will assume mm-hmm. that we are sharing the same wavelength right now. This man was stabbed in the back. He's probably bleeding out. And, and he's like, sitting in a waiting room chair. And I'm like, what? Yeah, like, I... That was the funny... I, I laughed. I, I legitimately laughed at this part because there's only so much suspension of disbelief you can provide for adrenaline. This guy got, like, a Bowie knife in the back from what it looked like, and he's just walking around looking like he's ready to do the hokey pokey. Well, no, he <laughs> was, I, no, I will say he did a good job of showing us that he was in pain, but I think once he got into the room with Donna where he's talking, like, the whole pain disappeared. Yeah. And I'm like, you should have allowed yourself to be committed because I think they would have patched that up for you right and he and he just didn't he showed that he was in pain but at the same time it was like not to the level of you you would have thought for a mortal wound yeah big time but but Vinny, what did you think of seeing donna again and uh the conversation that they were having at the asylum why couldn't it have been adina porter coming back or angela bassett for a cameo that's what i, I the age makeup was relatively I will give it that. We'll talk about Brooke later. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Donna, they gave I, I her really tasteful really age makeup, and yeah. it worked for me. Um, I, I thought they did a great job of aging her up a little bit. Uh, and Yeah, and I thought it looked really uh, appropriate. Well, they played to the planes of her face, and they used makeup that wasn't overly dramatic. So I, I found myself not having a difficult time believing that this amount of time had passed. Uh, but the way that she carried herself and the fact that she'd come full circle to kind of – she came back to where she started it all. And it was almost like she was continuing to pay penance for everything that she had started with Jingles. So I thought it was awesome to see her, and I really enjoyed the fact that she was – softened and that she was providing compassion and she was willing to help him and be there for him and tell him the truth and then assist him with actually hunting down where the money was coming from. I thought this was a very fitting end for Donna. You know, someone who was using science for her own, you know, experiments in the beginning has now placed herself in a facility that's relatively poor and not really the the highest of its league because she wants to help and she wants to make up for what she caused and what she did. So I really liked seeing her there. I wasn't surprised in the least. I thought it was totally believable and fitting for that character. Um, other than, you know, Bobby Dagger in the back not acting like it, I really enjoyed this segment. I agree with you on all of those points. Uh, Maddie, what about you? Because we're going to get into Brooke right now, so I want to get your take on uh, Donna and uh, seeing her at the asylum. What did you think? 
Yeah, it would have been really cool if there were, um, like, hints of the, like, asylum season. Like, I don't know, maybe just a doctor that was familiar or something. I don't know, like, the music playing in the background. Okay, the music, yes. Because I'm like, asylum was, like, many decades ago. So we wouldn't see any of those doctors. Something that would have been, like, cool. Maybe, like, the same building or something. I don't know. Well, especially because she bought Briarcliff. Margaret did. So I thought that was going to come back into play when they mentioned asylums and it didn't. And I was kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Also like the first episode, um, I forget his name, but the actor who played in the X-Files. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. did we only get him for one episode? Like, are you kidding me? Um, would have been cool if he was actually back in this episode since we're back at the place where he worked. Um, that would have been really cool. Um, but yeah, also he's been like Finn had been bleeding out and he had just been stabbed in the back. Um, so yeah, I expected him to like get medical attention first <laughs> before he sat down and learned all this information. Um, seeing Donna a little bit older was interesting. I didn't think that they aged her, I feel enough, but as it was good enough. Um, Obviously. Well, she's not Caucasian. Black don't crack. Sorry? What? I was saying she's not Caucasian. Black don't crack. So I feel like it was appropriate for her. <laughs> we can talk yeah, about... Yeah, well, clearly well, that doesn't talk matter about... when we talk about Brooke. So yeah, we'll this whole aging in thing is insane. They tried to but... give her an excuse, but I didn't buy it. No. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, them talking was good, and the fact that... Donna was still alive, you know, and doing, you know, what she thought that she could do is awesome. Um, you know, like trying to give back and do right and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think them talking was really, really good. What I hope, and this is just head canon, because we have seen Donna do medical stuff, even though she wasn't a nurse. Clearly, she's she was not Rita, uh, but we have seen her do stuff like that. So. I would assume in like a cutscene, you know, before they start talking, she ended up tending to his wound and that sort of thing. And and that's my hope in my mind, because that's the only thing that would make sense. And, and I get they don't necessarily need to show us that she was tending to his wound. But the fact that in the waiting room, he was still like bleeding out and not really making a big damn deal about it will forever bug me. Like forever. Even though Finn is fantastic, but it will forever bug me. So, (laughs) moving right along, we head to uh, Oregon, where uh, Donna, you know, being the master sleuth that she is, ends up tracing the check to, you know, this little savings and loans and this, that, or the other, and that sort of thing. And uh, she uh, she spies with her little eye uh, a pickup truck. And somebody steps out, and she's like, oh, my God. And clearly, I feel like we knew what what it was. And so we follow the pickup truck to a house, and uh, there she is. She opens the door. It's Brooke. Alive and well, and looking pretty much the damn same as she did in 1989, in the year 2019. So this she, is my surprise face. Yes. And uh, 
she explains, you know, what we already discussed about Ray helping her and that sort of thing. The thing that I thought was weird was that she was like, and then someone must have called. And I'm like, wouldn't you have thought that Ray called, you know, 911 and they saved you? It was weird that she was, that the line was very vague, like someone must have called from the camp payphone. I'm like, it was probably Ray. Uh, hello. Anyway. So she explains that uh, she she tried to reach out to Donna, but the PTSD of Camp Redwood and that sort of thing, like she couldn't even muster up a hello. And and, and then at the end of the day, she sort of felt like, you know, it was probably the best way to, um, to move forward. And so uh, when she was picked up by the paramedics, uh, she, uh, you know, as soon as she was well enough... She just ran as north as possible, and I guess that's how she ended up there. She ended up falling in love with a dermatologist, and that's how she kind of explains why she hasn't aged. Fillers and Splenda, apparently, uh, can keep a white lady looking like she's in her 20s, uh, even though she should be 30 years. 60? No, she shouldn't be 60. She should be... I thought it was like 50 to 60. Well, yeah, like maybe 55-ish. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's what happened. So, um, Maddie, start uh, taking the Splenda. And, Clearly. Yes. And she's got two kids and all that sort of thing. And uh, there is a nice little moment between Donna and um, and, uh, and Brooke where Donna was like, you know, I wish I could have been there, you know, those years, you know, we're bonded together, and, and she, uh, she being Brooke, asked for forgiveness, and, um, you know, it looks like they are embracing their final girl status together, and uh, Brooke explains that uh, she was sending Bobby money because, you know, she felt like, you know, he deserved... Um, the future that Jingles didn't get, and um, it, it it was sort of a, a bit of hope that um, that uh, he wouldn't return to the camp because it seems like the camp continues to sort of suck you in, and that sort of thing. But clearly, the camp already started to um, suck him in, and that sort of thing. And um, even though he got all the answers that he wanted. Once they leave, he tells Donna that he's got to return to the camp, that he felt like somebody was watching over him, and he needs to get the answers, the closure that uh, that he needs. So, another thing that I'll nitpick. So, instead of getting into the car with Donna and have her drive him to the camp... He decides to walk from Oregon all the way back to Camp Redwood? Yeah, about that. Weird, right? I get the dramaticness of it all, but I was like, really? Maddie, you can go first. So talk to me about seeing Brooke and their conversation and all of that. Yeah, no. Um... Seeing Brooke, seeing her not age at all, and being like, oh, it's just Botox was like, what? 
they like, did do something to her. Yeah, but I can't come quite on. put my, no, like, no, 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 no. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying they did make an attempt to do something with her. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. I know, I think it was the wig, maybe, and a little bit of the makeup. It was very subtle. I feel like Emma Roberts was just enough. like, "Don't make me look old, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> right, make me look like old, but not but pretty. It, 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 honestly, it was the good. wig. Yeah, it was the wig, and they. I feel like they added thicker makeups to give the effect of wrinkles and like laugh lines. But it okay. So this this reminds me of. I absolutely love French and Saunders, this British comedian duo that they did absolutely fabulous and all that. But they have this one uh, segment where they are making fun of Joan and Jackie Collins, and they talk about how oh yeah, so we have a movie coming out about our lives. It's got horrific acting and terrible aging makeup. And it just made me think of that. It, it just like looking at this, it was like if I was the makeup artist and you told me, please make Emma Roberts look 50, but still 20, I would have been like, uh, I don't think that's possible. And it wasn't. I didn't buy it. This would have been the perfect Sarah Paulson cameo. That was my biggest disappointment. I wanted that to happen so bad. I would have absolutely loved it to have been her or even one of the other characters or actors, actresses to come back. I just... This was one of those flash forwards I did not like. Yeah, I agree with you. No, Sarah Paulson was very disappointing. Um, and just, I don't know, like, the the fact that Brooke wasn't, didn't look old at all, like, really bugged me. Because, I don't know, it just didn't make anything seem like reality. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um and then her being, like, so nonchalant about everything, like, oh, yeah, like, I just left, like, it was just too much, like, no, like, maybe break down a little bit, maybe, you know, be so surprised that, um, you know, Bobby is actually there, and I don't know, I just felt like it could have been a bit more, like, she thought you were dead for years, and now it's just like, oh, sorry, like, I'm I'm sorry that I didn't contact you I'm after all these years, like, I lived. Yeah, I felt like it should have been more important, more dramatized, maybe. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I would have bought it more if she was playing the angle of, like, I thought about it and I wanted to, but I realized it was probably better if the world thought I was dead. You know, like, falling back on PTSD, I didn't buy it. I'm sorry. We already had PTSD with Brooke, and she got her vengeance. She saw that it wasn't what she wanted. She got out of that. She became this stronger character and now we're just led to believe that that was a a minuscule part of her life that evaporated the moment she left the camp and she went back to being dishwater Brooke. I, I, I didn't like it. It didn't sit well with me. The justification for not reaching out to Donna was very piss poor in my opinion. I, I agree with Maddie on that. And this whole segment just... It, it fell flat with me. Maybe it's a combination of the, the lack of aging makeup, the nonchalance and the lack of impact and the miserable excuse, but it just, this really did not sit well with me. I thought it was a huge missed opportunity for the episode. I don't disagree with either of you about it. Um, yeah, I do feel like it was a missed opportunity. I wish that the, the scene had been a little bit more emotional. I mean, it looked like Donna and, and Brooke really developed a bond and um i I wish there was a little bit more emotion on uh, brooke's part uh the aging makeup i mean both of you said it perfectly Uh, i mean it it just it didn't work at all and even the excuse that they tried to give oh the you know my husband's a dermatologist 
he should have been a plastic surgeon because I mean I feel like that's the only way that that um, you know she could achieved her look and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so so that w- just felt off and wrong as well. Uh, this could have been a good moment for a Sarah Paulson cameo. I don't disagree with you on that. I didn't mind that she didn't cameo at all. Uh, like I, you know, at the end of the episode, you know, when I realized that there was going to be no Sarah Paulson, I didn't mind that. And I didn't miss her to be quite honest. Uh, I know that might sound sacrilegious for some AHS fans, but uh, the thing that was disappointing was because they actually teased it that she was going to be in one episode. Exactly. Like, I remember the TV line article. They were like, Sarah Paulson will be returning for one episode. Evan Peters is not returning. So the fact that it was teased and it didn't happen and there wasn't really even an explanation. It wasn't like Ryan Murphy did. At least I don't know if Ryan Murphy did. I, I feel like I haven't read anything that Ryan Murphy has said where he was like, unfortunately, you know, her schedule or, you know, we just couldn't find the right character for her to play. Like, even if he would have said something, I'd be like, oh, OK, that's understandable. But the fact that right. uh, nothing was said at all about her returning and that she wasn't going to return, like, I feel like there should have been an article about, like, oh, yeah, Sarah Paulson isn't going to be in it, unfortunately, or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so that was disappointing, the fact that uh, it was teased and she wasn't in it. Had they not teased it, uh, I wouldn't have missed her, to be quite honest. I, I just don't know where she would have fit in to the story. Uh, outside of, you know, instead of maybe Lily Rabe, could it have been um, Sarah Paulson or something like that? Uh, I don't know. Um, I do feel like the Margaret character probably would have been Sarah Paulson. Mm, I could see that. Yeah. I, think I would have almost even bought it. Um, it. I mean, this is just as far-fetched, but it would have been more viable if, like, when they showed up and they saw Brooke getting out of the car, it was actually Brooke's daughter. Because I feel like they could have aged Emma Roberts' down much easier than trying to jump her up 30 years and i would have like loved to have like maybe in the background like family photos and that there's the sarah paulson or whoever would have played you know older brooke yeah you know she she got into this and she did this and she helped people and all that and you know she i don't know she passed away while helping pull a pedestrian off the street and she got hit by a car and it was a noble sacrifice and i'm her daughter they say we look a lot alike i would have bought that more than i bought what what they did you know what i would have dug that a lot especially if she knew the truth and she could have explained it because we needed someone to sort of explain the truth and that sort of thing i would have bought that and i think that would actually would have worked a whole lot better yeah yeah the whole not reaching out, that would have explained it, you know. I, I would have understood, like, she wanted to keep her family. Because let's let's face it, Camp Redwood was a plague. It was a curse. And she knew that if she got back in touch with Donna, there was always the chance that something could find out that she's still out there. And, you know, I would have totally bought that. And then, you know, to have this daughter, I would have seen that. And then I could have almost seen, like, Bobby and the daughter becoming an item. And or something, maybe having a little bit of a romantic thing or something. But yeah, it, it was definitely that this is the biggest area where when, when I said later that Brooke was a letdown for me, this this was it. This was the major one. So let's go back to Camp Redwood once more for one last time. So Bobby makes it back like about a week and a half later, I guess, after uh, hiking from Oregon. And uh, 
he's like looking around and uh, he is uh, he's caught by Margaret and he's like I know who you are you're Margaret Booth how is it that you you know you're here if they would chipped you on the other side of the property and um and she explained that uh i i guess she had died officially like half a second before her head landed into the wood chipper and so she's been on the property all along and she explains that she can take him to jingles she's the only one and uh it, it does lure him in even though he clearly says you know how the hell is this not a trap and um she explains that she has been hiding away from everyone and no one knows that she's there because she's waiting for that moment to kill you and so she's about to stab him but jingles comes in ends up killing her which is fantastic and uh, they embrace and it's a tender moment between father and son and uh, he's basically like what are you doing here like why are you here and uh, he he's like you know i you know i wasn't really a father to you like why why did you feel the need to come here and he's like because you did you know this is a once upon a time moment vinny you know you did you know, what mm-hmm. any parent does, you know, you know, you uh, sacrifice yourself for your kid, you know, to give them a better life. And uh, so uh, they embrace and that sort of thing. And then Margaret reanimates. She stabs Jingles. He's like, you need to run. And so he runs and he runs straight into Lavinia. And she's like, you know, you you look just like what my Bobby would have looked like had he aged. And um, she stops Margaret. And she's like, why? Because he's innocent and this, that, or the other. And uh, she basically uh, lets the the other ghosts uh, take Margaret away, kicking and screaming. And... um, she she tells him to run and, and basically to never come back and so we see him cross the property line and then when he turns around there's his family Lavinia Benji and Bobby they're uh, basically waving him off and uh, then we see the, the end credits the logo of AHS 1984 in a very uh, 1980s kind of way so, let's talk about the ending of the series. The return of Margaret Booth, uh, the uh, the family reunion, and, uh, yeah, the, the family reunion. So, uh, Vinny, talk to me about it. Did Were you surprised by the return of Margaret? No, I, I, there was so much emphasis put on her not crossing the property line that I just kind of had a feeling that she was going to pop back up. I mean, let's face it, it's Margaret. I, I just had to have, I had this feeling that she's going to have to have the last laugh in her eyes. She was going to have to continue getting her vengeance in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I was not surprised in the least when she showed up. It wasn't really shocking at all. Um, 
it was very wonder years for me. I know it's a weird analogy, but like when Bobby looks back and he sees his like family sitting there and like, you know, Lavinia's dressed in like the forties or the thirties. And then there's jingles. I was just like, I had a call back to my childhood of watching the wonder years TV show of like the family watching the son go off to college or it was just so different than anything that American horror story I feel like has done as an ending. And that could be part of it is we're so conditioned to not so happy endings that this was a little bit of a, a call culture shock i didn't dislike it it just it felt weird um and again with lavinia this just i i wanted more about this curse i wanted more about the logistics of it because i'm a supernatural junkie you know i love that kind of thing and i how lavinia caused this curse to happen i felt like there should have been more to it like what made the land respond to her like that you know i I guess we're just supposed to believe that it was just her rage and her anger caused the blood curse but i kind of wanted more more of that to be explained because she just kind of felt like okay she's an angry crazy mama that now is happy in temporary heaven and loves her kids like i felt like there was an element missing of jingles and that little heaven space and then also why didn't jingles show up beforehand like, he can show up when his son's about to be killed by Psycho Margaret, but not when his son showed up the first time. Because if you think about it, like, I feel like the son would have not needed to come back to Redwood if Jingles had showed up the first time he was there and saved him. So we didn't really – I don't feel like we got a reason why Jingles chose to ignore the existence of his son or wasn't notified or whatever, what have you. So. I didn't hate it. It was wholesome. It was cute. And it was a happy ending, which, you know, we needed for this character. I felt like it was deserved. But it it goes into that whole element of things that I felt were encapsulated and we were just supposed to go with it. And maybe I just wanted more depth, I guess. Maddie, what about you? Um, Totally taken aback from the way that it ended. Um, I don't think we've ever really had a happy ending to an American horror story ever. So it just felt we have. really weird. We've had happy um, endings, but with like a dot, dot, dot where there seems to be a looming threat coming. Yeah. Like, like it was, it was like, it made you have like a feel good feeling and a ha- like a happy, like it leaves you with a smile type thing. And it was, that's not American horror story. <laughs> so um, it usually always leaves you with, oh my God, no, like there's a cliffhanger or something happened or, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it was very odd. I thought there was going to be more. I didn't believe that it was the end of the episode. Um, But when I watched it with my dad, he did make a point that, you know, well, it's an 80s movie. It, It always, there's always a happy ending. So maybe it's just playing on, you know, the true 80s theme and stuff like that. So not really too sure how i feel about it but it it is different it's a different season basically any season of american horror story is a brand new slate and it's basically like a white canvas they can do whatever and however they like it because there are no rules really um but yes i agree with you vince um with finn and or um bobby and um mr jingles coming back um he could have died when he got stabbed um, and when, like, uh, Richard Ramirez escaped from, you know, his little prison there, um, he could have been killed then. So the fact that he only came out, um, the second time he returned was kind of surprising as well. Um, that didn't make any sense, but I'm happy the way that it ended where 
we do have happy ending and I'm glad that, you know, they didn't kill Bobby and stuff like that. So, but like I said, I, it would have been cool if we figured out how Richard Ramirez got to hotel. So, uh, yeah, a lot of weird things that happened, a lot of different ways that they ended things. Not really a fan, but I did like the happy ending. I'm so confused by everything Maddie just said, because it feels like she's contradicting herself. And so no, I'm like, <laughs> we're torn. Like, well, no, because like, you, enjoyed, no, because Vinny, Vinny but sounded like I'm he didn't not, really like it. Uh, but Maddie, it. <laughs> I don't know what Maddie just said. Um, it was like not an unpleasant surprise. It just—it's it, not what I would have predicted. It's not what I would have expected, and it was abrupt. So it—it it, it was kind of like something happening so fast you don't get to process it until it's over. And in retrospect, like I didn't fully hate it, and it was nice to have that refreshing, different type of ending. But I think for me personally, I can sum it up. I wanted more. Okay. I understand you a little bit better. I still have no idea what Maddie just said. But I will yeah. say, I feel like... Oh, I definitely liked it more than both of you. I liked it. I really enjoyed the ending. And uh, to be quite honest, I kind of hate that your dad explained it the way that he, he did to you, Maddie. Because that was my reasoning. Uh, it was very 80s. It was in the perfect 80s ending to a 1980s set uh, horror series. Uh, the eighties were very dark, but then the eighties had the balance with like the cutesy, the kitschy, the cheesiness. Uh, I mean, just look at any eighties sitcom and look at 80, any eighties movie, you know, there were happy endings that were ridiculously schmaltzy and that's what we got here. And even though it is completely different from anything we've ever seen on American Horror Story in the past. This was a very different season than, than any season we've ever seen in, in, in American Horror Story in the past as well. I would say this is probably one of the most cohesive seasons as far as its story. Um, that's what I would say. Um, maybe either of you could would disagree with that. I don't know. But uh, I feel like the story was, uh, was written in a... Um, in a pretty direct sort of way, and uh, it worked for me. Uh, I don't really have as many questions at the end of this season as I have in other seasons, and uh, I, I will at least give credit to the writers. I feel like they um, had this season a bit uh, better mapped out than some of the other seasons, and uh, they really took everything that was 1980s and... Uh, they, for me at least, made it work this season. Even down to the schmaltzy, cutesy, ridiculously happy ending. Have we seen happy endings on American Horror Story in the past? Yes. But usually, as I, as I was saying when Madison was talking about them, there's always the dot, dot, dot. You know, we always see some sort of looming threat. Or, you know, maybe a certain character will get a happy ending, but then the rest of the characters do not. So the fact that it seems like everybody got a happy ending and everyone got their comeuppance is a little different. But um, be, just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. And uh, I did like it. Um, it was unique. Even down to, as I referenced, you know, the uh, title card reappearing in, in that sort of 80s shine of... Uh, 
it, I mean, it was just, it was quintessential 1980s, and uh, I liked it. Alright, so, uh, before we head into the MVP, were there any moments, anything that I missed, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, a compliment or something to bitch about, uh, was there anything that I missed that you would like to reference or bring up before we head into the MVP and our final sections uh, for the uh, season? Um, not really. I, I just, I really liked, um... Um, Montana and um, what's his face? I was want to say Mr. Schuster. Um, them kind of like their relationship in the beginning of the episode as well. And also, it would have been really cool if Billy Idol made a little cameo, just because we did talk about him for so long. Um, and Richard Ramirez, like, it would have been pretty funny to see him kind of like fangirl at some point. But yeah, it was a pretty decent uh ending i love that maddie's like not really and then she goes up and brings up two points that she wanted to <laughs> it's because mention. i'm so like <laughs> conflicted on the episode just it's like oh my god i love that but like that also sucked but oh my god this was really cool but not really <laughs> that's my that's my thought process right now well there you go all right so now it is time for the mvp State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. So let's get into our most valuable player. And uh, let's see. Uh, who should go first? You should. Really? Yeah, you always let us why go not? first. You, you very rarely go first yourself. I think you deserve it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I try to be fair. Uh, you know, very rarely I will go first unless I, f I feel really passionate about a character. And I do feel passionate about a character. Um, okay, so I, I will. Okay, I'll give it to myself. Peer pressure. Um, it was like the voices uh, that Richard Ramirez hears. Uh, you go first, you go first, you go first. Um, I am going to pick Donna. Because... For me, Angelica Ross has been a revelation this season, and, and I hope that she is now forever a part of the American Horror Story family. Forever along, we have American Horror Story. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, uh, or momentarily. But she was just fantastic throughout the season, and I really like what they did with her in this episode. Uh, I liked seeing her in the past as well as in the present. Uh, I thought they did a really great job with her um aging makeup and I thought she did a really good job of conveying herself as an older character as well you mentioned that Vinny and, and I think Angelica did a really good job of playing older Donna a little bit more seasoned Donna a remorseful Donna a, a Donna that's uh, still um, you know going through some penance for what she's done uh, yeah so uh, as always uh, I feel like Donna could have been the MVP every single episode and I do feel like one of us always picked her as the MVP whenever she was on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'll give it to Donna. She was uh, yeah, a highlight in the episode. And it does free up a certain other character that uh, either one of you will pick, uh, which I feel like might be coming next. Uh, so, um, because Vinny was so kind in saying that I should go first, uh, I'll, I'll have you uh, go next, Vinny. So who's your MVP? Oh, 
Well, thank you. Margaret. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I never thought that I would say this, but I, I'm, I'm finishing off this, this season with Margaret as my final MVP, and here's why. Maddie when said I was a what, kid, just an FYI. <laughs> she what? She said what? <laughs> I grew up watching Dynasty, Falcon Crest, Dallas. I grew up with my female villains having big hair, shoulder pads, looking like they were about to go to a ball or ride a horse and ruin someone's life. And Margaret in the latter half of this season, when they put her with her stupid, like I'm a Christian hope, hope giving person. I'm not evil at all. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they got rid of that and they let her show her true colors. She channeled all of that oomph and all of that pizzazz and style and malevolence into such a hateable character. But it was that character's turn that made me actually identify her as a contribution to the series. Whereas before I'd been kind of with Maddie, like I didn't buy the character. I wasn't into the, the, the chaste, happy Margaret, you know, when she just let it all out and became so villainous, I absolutely adored it. She kept that bitterness, that rage, that anger, that craziness clear up into the end when she was vivis or not vivisected, but dismembered and tossed into a wood chipper. You know, she had the tenacity to hide in a bush for 30 years and they couldn't find her. I mean, it just speaks to how crazy this bitch was. And I think that Leslie Grossman in the latter half of this season did such a phenomenal job with the character. And I loved how Lavinia just came along and bitch slapped her. And, you know, I thought that I wanted her final scene to be dismembering and gore and all this horrible stuff. But no, I kind of liked it when Lavinia was like, no, someone needs to finally tell you no, and you need to pay the consequences of hearing no. And I, I was totally here for Margaret this entire episode for every part she was there. So she's my MVP. A very good choice for every part she was there. I see what you did there. And then you said cont and then you said contribution. <laughs> I was I like, did. You oh. caught that that was intentional. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, Did he just see you next Tuesday, her? And I was like I totally did her contribution. <laughs> there you go. That was that was spectacular. Uh, all right, Maddie. I feel like I know who you're going to choose, and if you don't choose this character, I I feel like I don't even know you. Yeah, I I I honestly like I'm thinking of two people right now, and either one of them, they're kind of like the same people. So uh, this is hard. Um, I was gonna go with Mr. Jingles. Um, because I'm very happy that he got his final, um, moments with his son and, um, that he got a happy ending because really he deserved it. Um, out of all the people who got screwed over in this season, I feel like he got it the worst. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy, um, that he got a happy ending and I think that him, you know, finally reuniting with his son and obviously, like, we talked to, like, we talked about it before about, you know, like, him sacrificing himself. He wanted to, you know, he could only do what a father could do um, and save his son. So, yeah, I choose Mr. Jingles. And if I wasn't going to choose him, I would have chose Bobby for coming back and you trying to reconnect with his dad anyway. So. Just an FYI. Shh, the same shh, it's fine. 
No, but um, yeah, I thought you were gonna pick Bobby. You praise Finn Whitrock like so much, and then she goes and picks the character that was in the episode for like literally sixty seconds. I'm like, yeah. all right, man. I said they were the same person. Okay, it's no, fine. they're not the same person. <laughs> what show were you watching? All right, Maddie. Uh, your blonde roots are showing. So now it is time to rate the episode of Poor Maddie Fitz. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 keys? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. And yes, for one last time, you may jingle it. Maddie Fitz, we will start off with you. This should be interesting. Um, for this episode, right? For this episode, yes. For this episode, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Um, because, like I said, uh, I was not expecting a happy ending at all. But I didn't mind it. So, yeah. A seven and a half because I thought there could have been more. Like we were talking about... Um, this is not the American Horror Story that I remember, um, and, yeah, I don't know. I could there could have been more. All right, what about you, Vinny? I'm giving it a seven. I, I came into this episode expecting to give it a 6.5, but having talked about it more, I've upped it to the seven. And just because of, you know, discussions that we've had. But no, I continually agree. I, I, I still walk away from this with a, a, a kind of heavy heart, wishing there had been more. Um, I, I started off this season loving everything about this season, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but these last couple of episodes have just kind of not been as good for me as the intro to the season. You know, we started off so strong, and I feel that whether it was the con- continuity or the jumping back and forth or trying to cram so much, I feel like this episode suffered from the curse that a lot of the other previous episodes I've rated lower suffered from as well. Um and there was a lot that I liked that was enough for me to give it above a five. I'm not going to be the horrible Russian judge, but I think that they could have done better. I think that there could have been a more fulfilling happy ending than what we got for multiple characters. Uh, there was things that they could have done, like we talked about, you know, the Sarah Paulson possible or the alternative version of like Brooke's daughter. I would have loved that more than my, my husband's a, a, uh, I almost said gynecologist. <laughs> Dermatologist. Yes, a gynecologist. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I was disappointed. I still am disappointed. I liked it. If I had to give an overall response, I'd say that I liked it, but I did not love it. So I'm gonna stick with, uh, yeah, seven. Okay. Well, this is no surprise. Uh, much like uh, I guess Brooke being alive. Um, I am going to rate it a bit higher than both of you. I'm going to give it a 9. I didn't dislike it, or I wasn't as uh, mixed feelings about it as both of you. For the most part, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think the only thing that really felt off, outside of the little tiny things that I was nitpicking, was probably the Brooke situation. Um, Not necessarily that she survived, but the entire conversation and visit with her in Oregon, like, it, it just, it felt off. 
completely, and um, and that's something that does bug me, and so that does drop it down. But um, even though it was um, the the you know the back and forth and the timey wimeyness was something that I wasn't necessarily um, that happy about, I did enjoy what we saw in 1989, and I did like the stuff in the present as well. So um, so yeah, so I'll, I'll give it a nine because it was still a a pretty good finale, and I did like the happy ending. So now it is time to grade the season. We will be giving the season a letter grade, A, B, C, D, F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. So, uh, Vinny, we'll start off with you. How would you grade the season and why? I'm going to give it a B minus. Uh, and I kind of touched on this before, but I feel that this season... I don't know if it's that it didn't know what it wanted to be or where it wanted to go or just the the amount of episodes being cut down. But we started off so optimistically, and as far as I was concerned, I remember being, you know, biting at the bit to see more and to see what was going to happen next. And then as this season progressed, I just felt myself lost in a lot of ways. There was a lot of characters in the background that I I didn't know why they were there. And then we had some extra superfluous characters that didn't need to be there, like Bruce. Um, I also feel that there was a lot more that could have been done to wrap this up more, uh, use this word earlier, but I can't remember what it was. But like conclusively is the only word I can think of right now because I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But I feel like there were loose ends. I feel like there were characters that we weren't, supposed to care about that I really didn't because they only had a couple of minutes of screen time. Acknowledging the fact that had they not been there at all, I might have disliked it as well, but I still would have preferred to have more to give me a chance to care about their existence as opposed to just having them there to do a stab or be background. Um, But I feel like there were a lot of red herrings as well. I think there were struggles to determine who what character is going to be what where are they going to go what are they going to do and not that red herrings are necessarily bad but i think in sometimes we were given plot points that didn't go anywhere or when they did go somewhere it didn't pay off as well as it could have and i also feel that american horror story has ever since the departure of jessica lang been attempting to really really try to find a new anchor for the season or the series and i think that they started to find it um with angelica ross so she's one of the reasons that i do give it uh you know a higher grade she definitely i think out of everyone her and jingles carried this season 100 percent. emma roberts i found myself only having mild moments where i didn't dislike the character um but Jingles and Donna, I didn't care about them in the beginning. I thought they were just superfluous, this fodder that they were going to die. And when they ended up having a much larger role to play, I, I was here for it. I enjoyed it. Um, but going back to my comment about like finding a new anchor for the series, I, I think that the one of the good things about this season is that we can definitely see you don't need Gaga. You don't need Lang. You don't need Paulson or Peters. You just need a relatively decent story and some actors who really have fun with it and go with it. And that's, that's where I ended up not giving a lower grade is I feel like even though there was a lot of stuff that I didn't like and I, things I would have liked to have seen, I think that a lot of the actors did really well with what they had and they definitely gave it a really good effort and ultimately to finish off i was just very happy and refreshed to have a a different 
environment and a different story and continuity that didn't belabor getting connected to previous seasons. I thought it was a refreshing twist, and I'm, I would have liked to spend some more time there. That's how much I enjoyed the camp um, and some of the characters. Okay. All right. What about you, Maddie? How would you grade this season? Um, honestly, I am going to grade it a B plus. Um, I'm not grading it any higher. I would never give this season an A. Um, but kind of like going on some of the stuff that Vince was saying, I really enjoyed the first couple of episodes um, before we kind of got out of the first night. Um, I really liked that the way things were going, the whole horror type of like killer aspect. I really enjoyed all that. Um, then we kind of got out of that and the overlap in the stories and the kind of twists came out and it got really confusing. Um, it got weird. Um, the only thing I really liked about moving on was um, Margaret's character becoming more of a badass and more of the character that, that the actress um, kind of played in Apocalypse. Um, but I, I really had high hopes for this season. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot better. Um, of course, American Horror Story, like, there's always a backstory. Um, and there's always twists and turns. And, and I get that. And this is a TV show. It's not just a movie. It's not like we could only have, like, one killer uh, per night. But I think it would have been really, really interesting if this whole night was really actually like or this whole season was just one night or something like i think it would have been really cool if it just stayed at the camp um for one murderous night um i think that would have been really cool um like i said like the first couple episodes were really interesting and then then it kind of got far-fetched a little weird um maybe throwing in a couple characters for no reason um and yeah but um overall like I think the actors um, were amazing. Um, they did a really, really good job um, with the characters, really making them interesting. Um, but, yeah, obviously not as good as past seasons, but it was interesting. I enjoyed it, um, just not the best. Okay, so we've been in the Bs, and yes, I'm going to take it up into the As. I'm going to give it a solid A. I thought it was a really good season. I think this, this for me, this season as a whole, will be on um, the, the, the better side of uh, the AHS series uh, seasons. Um, I don't think there's ever really a truly bad American Horror Story season, but for me, there's like the good ones, the ones that I will rewatch and enjoy over and over again and that I enjoyed the first time around, and then there are the ones that are kind of like okay for me. Um, the ones that would be okay, you know, the uh, the cults and the freak shows and uh, and that sort of thing, and uh, and this one ranks up there with like Asylum for me, and uh, well, Asylum would be different i feel like asylum for me is my most favorite one but certainly this this uh, ranks with like roanoke and i loved roanoke and roanoke was another season that was incredibly divisive because some people either really liked it or really hated it 
to be quite honest, um, I feel like every season of American Horror Story is incredibly divisive because some people really like that season and some people really hate it. If you don't like the theme, uh, uh, you know, you're just not going to like the season. And then even if you do like the theme and if you don't like how it's headed, you might not enjoy the season. Um, I liked it, though. I I thought it was a fun 80s romp. Um, You know, it started off one way. They really stuck with the theme. There wasn't a uh, a major twist or anything halfway through the season they really stuck with uh, the slasher theme and the 80s theme and even though there were time jumps and that sort of thing they really did stick with uh, the mythos that they created for the season and they didn't really uh, take the season and turn it on its head as we have seen for the past couple seasons and I will commend them for that uh, because I think the um, the gimmicky twist that started oddly enough with the Roanoke season uh, you know it was being done every season and this was finally a season in which they broke from that and I think it actually benefited uh, the season that they didn't change things around because what we saw in the first half of the season was really good I, I thought the characters the ones that we got to know were really interesting the new people that were added to the cast except for maybe one were all really good and and knew how to act pardon oh died sorry i had chet stuck in my throat oh yes <laughs> uh, well it sounds like birdie did too or she wanted him <laughs> to be <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like, everyone was really good, except for, yeah, unfortunately. But, um, you know, everyone was up for the task, and, and they did a good job with the material they were given. There were standouts. I will say Emma Roberts was really good, just because she was playing against type. Um, Leslie Grossman was really good playing the just batshit crazy villain, and uh, Angelica Ross, as you know, I keep on heaping praise on her, but she was just bloody brilliant as Rita and then Donna, not Rita, and then Donna Chambers, uh, you know, a final girl. Uh, let's say Donna Chambers, attorney at law, but um, Donna Chambers, final girl, you know, head of the asylum and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, they were just really great additions to um, to the season. So, And I've been wanting a summer camp theme for the longest, and maybe it isn't necessarily what I would have expected, but it was still really good, and it was a very enjoyable season, and I would totally rewatch it. Uh, 100%. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it a solid A. Now, it is time for predictions. What do we think the next season of American Horror Story could be? And or just what would you like to see on American Horror Story as a theme in a future season? Um, I should say that uh, Ryan Murphy did uh, announce, well, he made a statement where he's basically saying that uh, potentially the next season of American Horror Story could be the final season because their contract with FX is uh, up until like the 10th season. They aren't renewed beyond that. And um, Ryan Murphy is like, you know, I've been talking with some of, you know, previous cast members. And if you were a fan of season one, two and three, you kind of know who I might be chatting with. And uh, if it is the final season, I want to go out with like a big shebang type of thing. 
So, uh, Ryan Murphy is not opposed to creating more seasons, though, but he's basically saying that this is in FX's uh, corner now. Now, to put a little context, Ryan Murphy does have a deal with um, with Netflix. So, he is his main focus right now is creating content for Netflix when Disney bought FX... Or not just FX, but when Disney bought 20th Century Fox, he had publicly stated that he was worried that for some reason Disney was going to all of a sudden change it from American Horror Story to something else, I guess. Uh, or he was worried that the content would be censored or something. I don't know. It's crazy because when uh, Disney seems to purchase any property, like there are always people that are like, oh, well, Disney's completely going to change it. And if you ever, if you actually follow what Disney does when they acquire properties, they pretty much leave the property doing what it was doing before Disney bought it. I mean, they're not, if it's working and it's making a whole lot of money and it's getting nominations and that kind of stuff, they aren't going to break what's already working. Uh, but he did jump the ship and he went over to Netflix, but, you know, he still has the contract with FX to do American Horror Story. So uh, I don't see FX not picking American Horror Story up. It, it's still a viable franchise for the network. It's still bringing in the eyeballs. Uh, I believe that I read that, um, that like seven day DVR viewership is, is up, you know, bumps it up a whole lot the percentage was like some ridiculous amount um so people are still watching whether they love the season or they hate the season people are watching so i don't think fx will cancel the series i believe this is all just about money and a negotiation tactic and that sort of thing so I just wanted to put that out there as we discuss what we would like to see. And I will also put out there that Ryan Murphy did say that there was a clue dropped in the eighth episode as to where the theme could potentially go. And uh, what people have sort of um, been looking at is, remember the, the National Enquirer lady? She talked about, you know, how in the 80s, you know, the big thing where, like, Bigfoot and um, aliens and that sort of thing. And so a lot of people are thinking that maybe the whole alien question might finally be answered because that was introduced during the asylum season and uh, it was um, sort of abandoned in, in, in subsequent seasons. So a lot of people are really excited about the idea of aliens. And then uh, Bruce ended up talking about an urban legend when he was with Donna and uh, Brooke in the car. And so some people are like, well, maybe it's going to be urban legends and uh, and that sort of thing. So uh, I just wanted to reference that because people have been talking about what the next season's theme could be. So I will open it up to the floor. Whomever wants to jump in first can. Uh, I would like for you to discuss what you think, what you would like to see as a potential season of American Horror Story, whether you think it's going to be the next season or not. And uh, do you think the series will live on past season 10? I think it will. I, I think it would be very stupid of FX to not renew it. Um, it's such a, it's an anchor series. Like it's, it's a flagship series for the network. People love it. It's got a very passionate viewership. And if they didn't renew it, I would be very surprised if Netflix, as it's been wont to do with some of these properties that have been passed over like Lucifer, et cetera, would not bring it back. I think that Netflix 
wood and then it would probably do even better because they could go even darker and gorier they wouldn't be restricted by um tv limitations now as far as what i would like i want my more coven back because he promised us that coven would be returning again and i would absolutely love to spend some more time at roba shows i love the witches coven is hands down my favorite series um i would like to have it come back where it's not the the apocalypse like i felt that that was as much as i was happy to see cordelia and them again i thought that that was a weird way to bring the witches back uh as much as i did enjoy it i would like to have just a legitimate series i would like to have it come back see what the witches are doing in this day and age now um with the alternate timeline how they fared um but that aside i also some weird part of me i want to see like in space, no one can hear you stream, screams type alien stuff. I want like a spaceship, black hole, event horizon. I would love to see them tackle that. I don't really care so much about the aliens from like the ones that kidnapped and probed Evan Peters, his character. Um, but I would love to see like just the sheer fear of the unknown of a species in deep space and really great atmosphere and darkness. I think it would be interesting. And if not that, I would absolutely love something Lovecraftian like Cthulhu. Maddie, what about you? Space would be super cool. Um, I did think about the whole alien theory. Um, again, something kind of more like X-Files-y. Um, maybe like a small town who is kind of like weird things are going on could it be aliens could it be something else um and then like all the characters in the small town are our characters you know our wonderful actresses and actors that would be kind of interesting i also kind of thought like a western (laughs) like something like set back in the really old times um something like going way way back um really creative and then you could even introduce the whole alien you know something in there right where technology and stuff like that is unexplained um that might be interesting but like hell they could do anything really um and i remember doing this last time where you know jeffrey you said you know doing a camp would be really really cool and they did it so what are your theories because apparently you know what's going on apparently yes i have had t- t- two correct predictions it was a haunted hotel and uh a-, a summer camp and oddly enough i did say in the 80s so um if you liked the season or if you didn't it's my fault uh so i apologize uh, if you didn't like it and if you didn't like hotel so i apologize for that one as well um okay so i was thinking like both of the things that were like that are like the public um sort of guesses are two guesses that i had as well um i think aliens would be interesting i think if you get into space um the whole american horror story the american part um you know because it's supposed to be i guess in america and that sort of thing it, it does kind of slowly disappear if you're up in space but if they do something like fire in the sky which is a movie as a kid that scared the living crap out of me like there there are very few horror tropes that still kind of creep me out as an adult um usually ghosts and like haunted houses and um 
uh, exorcisms and demonic possessions, those type of supernatural type of things uh, still creep me out as an adult. Um, and alien abduction-y type of stuff still creep me out as an adult. Uh, there are other things like slasher stuff that really don't bother me um, and, and that sort of thing. They don't affect me um, after watching a movie. But th those that I just mentioned uh, that do, like they still kind of creep me out as an adult. And if they did something like alien abduction-y where uh, maybe it's a small western town. There you go. You get your little western town, Maddie. And uh, there are alien abductions, and people come in to investigate. Um, not necessarily X Filesy, but maybe. Something. Have you ever seen the movie The Fourth Kind? I've heard of that. Because cool. like that, that was the type of vibe I was feeling, and just like you saying, like abductions and stuff, like that would be the type of vibe that I would get. The is, fourth like, this kind. Movie. I haven't seen it. I've seen clips of it, and the fourth kind actually looks very like fire in the sky if they would have done it in 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 like you know within the past ten years because I feel like it's a movie that came out within the past ten years, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Ish, yeah. You should see <laughs> Fire in the Sky. I think you'd like it. It came out in the '90s, but it's it's in that same vein. Um, that was mm -hmm. creepy. Yeah, because like that whole vibe might be really cool and yeah yeah i don't know i don't disagree with you with that and i like the idea of urban legends because when they talked about that i was like that could be its own type of thing and i know that we have like the urban legends film series and that sort of thing but we have seen american horror story like do their own thing when it comes to uh, stuff that we've seen maybe other properties do and i think that might be kind of interesting uh, I, I like the idea of urban legends and seeing them sort of take them on and um and and you know put the ahs spin on it i think could work i mean they did something like that with the piggy man uh when was the piggy man um was it the first season was it murder house yes it was murder house so so we have seen them play with urban legends in the past and i think that could really work um something else that i really like that they did this on another series so i don't feel like uh, american horror story would do it but um i always like the mystery of like the woods and untouched areas i feel like i sent this to mm -hmm. you maddie um i feel like i did at some point uh there's this reddit um no sleep thread uh, that's about the um like a forest the staircase yes a forest search and <laughs> rescue person. oh that was such a good series it's amazing and uh they did it on this series called channel zero on sci-fi but th the way that they interpreted it was um, nothing okay. like uh this fantastic reddit spooky series uh, but if American Horror Story took elements of that and actually made it scary and made it as mysterious as it was um, in that Reddit thread, uh, it could be kind of interesting. Uh, and, and it sort of fits into urban legends. It's, you know, the idea of like the mysteries of the forest and, you know, these uh, Wendigos and, um, you know, these uh, these spirits of the forest that sort of lure you in to kill you basically um i think that would be kind of interesting i mean there is the concepts of like you know the stairs and these mysterious doors in the woods um since they use that over on channel zero like they don't necessarily need to do that but there were other stories about like wendigos and uh like bigfoot type characters you know that are out there in the forest that you know are they real are they not and, and that sort of thing but that could be kind of interesting if they went that route 
But the one thing that I really, really want, and I, I, I said it, I feel like last season, maybe it was the first time I said it, whenever Mother came out is when I started saying this, so maybe it was the year before that. Michelle Pfeiffer, I want Michelle Pfeiffer on um, American Horror Story. Like, I Please. really want Michelle Pfeiffer on American Horror Story. She does not really do television, but I would love me some Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, it's just to add in, because now she is available, uh, because How Do We Get Away With Murder is ending. I think Viola Davis would be really good on American Horror Story as well. And I'm trying to remember, but I don't think Viola Davis has ever done anything horror-related. But I think she would be kind of so. cool. Uh, yeah. I would love Helen Mirren. That would be that's. I think that's pushing it. <laughs> I know, I know, it, 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 but no, I mean, if we're just talking what we'd like, yeah. I would love to have Helen Mirren show up. It's like I'm the supreme now, bitch. <laughs> I think that. But I yeah, don't no, disagree I, with a lot you. Of characters. Yeah, it would be awesome. Um, but there was someone else that I was thinking. Oh, Kristen Ritter, uh, from Jessica Jones. I I would love to have her. Oh, I, I think be that would be interesting. I don't disagree with you on that. I think she would be kind of fun as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and of course, any of our favorites returning. I mean, Kathy Bates, um, Angela Bassett, Adina Porter. Clearly, hopefully, and Angelica Ross is in the mix. Um, on occasion, Ryan Murphy does pick people from other properties that he's worked on. So, even someone like Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is on Feud, or uh, or or even. Um, Good grief, her name is escaping me. Uh, she co-starred in Feud. Um, she was not Jessica Lange. She was Susan Sarandon. Susan there you Sarandon. Go. Susan Sarandon, bringing her into American Horror Story. I mean, he did that with American Crime Story. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was on American Crime Story, and then he did American Horror Story. So uh, bringing some of the other people that he's worked with might be interesting. Um, now, since you mentioned Kristen Ritter, she just popped into my head. Christina Ricci might be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So she wonderful. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, getting some of our favorites back, but bringing in, you know, a, a big name that uh, has never maybe has never done horror or doesn't do as much horror might be kind of interesting to have on, you know, someone that's a really good uh, actor that uh, can bring it with uh, some of the heavyweights that are on American Horror Story. So those are just a couple ideas. So and uh, I agree with uh, both of you. I I don't feel like it should end with the next season. I do feel like ten years on cable is pretty impressive. But uh, in that article, I believe Ryan Murphy was saying that he was speaking with FX and they were saying how you know they could see the series go on for like twenty seasons. Which I mean, I think you could do with an anthology series. Uh, I mean, you can do as as many seasons as as long as you have fresh ideas and as long as it isn't getting stale uh, i mean uh, you know it, it, the twilight zone which is an anthology series may not have had you know 10 or 20 seasons but if you look at the amount of episodes that they pumped out i mean that was back in the day when you know 30 episodes or 26 you know plus episodes per season was like normal uh, so they came out with a crap load of episodes. So uh, I could see American Horror Story sticking around uh, for at least a handful of more seasons. And I would like to see a Coven sequel. I feel like next season is way too soon, though. Way too soon. Yeah. Cause we... If it's the last season, I want it. But if well, not, yeah. I would like them to wait. True, true, true. I totally agree with that. Uh, and I would love Scream Queens to return. I know that that's not American Horror Story related, but uh, it is a Fox 
property that uh, Ryan Murphy is tied to. And uh, if uh, Disney wants to keep themselves in the Ryan Murphy business, uh, you know, might as well do a Scream Queens revival. Put it on FX. Why not? Well, and he's already said the cast would love to do it. Exactly. And uh, I feel like whether it's FX or maybe... See, that's where you'd have to get into negotiations and uh, maybe Disney having to give up the rights to Scream Queen so that Netflix could do it or something. But, uh, yeah, Scream Queen somehow, someway. Uh, they have to make up for... Season 2 wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as Season 1. So they have to No, and the cliffhanger needs to be resolved. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, stay tuned, listeners, is basically what we're saying. And on that note, we would like to thank everyone for joining us these past nine episodes. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? 1984 and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, for the final time this season, please wish the listeners a good night. Camp's been fun, guys, but it's time to go home. See you next year. Thanks, listeners, for joining us for another season. Can't wait to see what American Horror Story is going to bring next season, and hopefully it's something really, really interesting. Thanks for tuning in. From all of us here at Are You Afraid 1984, we wish you a good night. Lights out, campers. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening with us to a new season, and hopefully see you guys next season. Thanks for listening with us to a new season. Hey, give her the benefit of the doubt. It's late over there. It's late I literally just hit my head off my microphone. I'm such an idiot. Oh, my God. I just... <laughs> it was a sentence, though, Maddie, so I'll give you props.